Major funding for Theater Corner is provided by UC San Diego. And by the Westgate Hotel. Hoya Alcohol Research Incorporated. Signet Theater. And viewers like you. Thank you. Hi, welcome to Theater Corner. I'm your host, Michael Taylor. As a lifelong theater enthusiast, and a board member for one of the top theaters in the country, I've seen firsthand the positive effects that diversity and inclusion can have on the stage and the theater seats. This interview series was created as a way to share my passion for theater and promote diverse voices throughout the national theater scene. We sit down with some of the top professionals in the entertainment industry to discuss training, careers, advice for young actors, and how to make theater matter to more people. Today I had the opportunity to talk with actors Dulé Hill and Daniel J. Watts, who both played roles in the world premiere musical Lights Out, Nat King Cole. You may recognize Dulé Hill from his television appearances in the shows Suits, Psych, The West Wing, and the film Holes. We had a great conversation about his performance as Nat King Cole, his background in tap dance, and what it was like to portray an American icon. So silence your cell phones, folks. You're entering Theater Corner. Ready? My pleasure. Glad to be here. So very nice for you to be here. This is a long time coming. That's eh? right. You see? <laughs> so, so you're here performing as Nat King Cole and lights out uh, Nat King Cole. What, what does it mean to you to, to, to play this particular role? Oh, man. I mean, to, the idea of stepping into Mr. Cole's iconic suit is unfathomable in my mind. I, mm. I'm, I'm still pinching myself. It's a <laughs> daunting task, but it's also a humbling task to be able to bring his story to the stage that is... Uh, not only reflective on his life, but also very perceptive of where we are today. Mm -hmm. and, and so I was here opening night and, and, and his twin daughters were here. Right. Tell me about your interaction with them after they saw this, this performance. For myself, their blessing was all that I needed. Mm. I mean, yes, Nat King Cole is an icon. Yes, he is a trailblazer. Yes, he is a groundbreaker. But he also is a father. And right. he also is a brother. And when you start telling someone's personal story or a story connected to someone personally, mm -hmm. you want to make sure you get it right. And for myself, I would not want to be telling a story that was not blessed by his, his lineage, his right. offspring, his children. Uh, so the fact that they came to see the show opening night and afterwards they came up to me and said, yes, this is the show that needs to be told. This is the story that needs to be out there. 
we give y'all a complete blessing. Mm. This night was unforgettable in every way. And it really, really, it really moved me that they gave that anointing on this project. Uh, when we did the project at the People's Light uh, a year and a half ago, Freddie Cole came, mm. who was Mr. You know, Nat King Cole's brother. brother. And he did the same thing. The fact that when, when he gave his blessing too, right. now that I have those three components, right, right. Uh, now... It's, now I feel like the wind is, is, is at our back, so it's time for us to run forward. <laughs> Talk a little bit about getting ready for a role like this. Because you, you truly like embody this uh, character of, uh, of Nat King Cole. What are the special things that you uh, did? I mean, other did. than watching footage. It's, uh... You know, I, I tried not to be too heady about approach. It really is what happens organically. What, what things am I able to embrace within my being? to then be able to uh, continuously embody when I hit the stage. Mm. Yes, I mean, there's not a lot of stuff out there on Mr. Cole's point of view of his own life because right. he died so young. So for me, it really was listening to a lot of his music, listening to a lot of his interviews. I really would have just submerged myself in all things Nat King Cole. If I was on the plane, I was listening to him. Mm. If I was going to sleep, I was listening to him. If I was driving in my car, I was listening to him. If I was tap dancing, I was listening to him. Any chance that I had to put something on related to him, I was doing that. So that alone, I would just try to take in what resonated inside of myself. I didn't really try to pinpoint exactly how does he say this word or how does he say that word. It was more the essence mm -hmm. of his energy that I tried to embrace with my own to, to then put on myself to then have the Nat King Cole on this stage. Because I didn't want it to be a imitation I didn't want to do a caricature of him. Right. And, it's all, and it's always evolving. I'm still constantly trying to pull back the layers to merge more of my soul with Mr. Coles to bring the performance each night. Um, now, from a technical standpoint, I did get together with uh, uh, Liz Hemmelstein, who's a, a vocal a speech coach that I've worked okay. with for years on different projects. And early on in the process, I got together with her just to kind of fine-tune, you know, fine-tune some things. And we, we kind of just to approach it from a technical standpoint a little bit. Right. And then I got together with uh, my man, Wilkie Ferguson, who's a wonderful performer and artist in his own right, but also a vocal coach to work on the songs and spend time with the songs because I didn't feel that it was, I didn't feel that this was a role that I could just pick up the week before oh, no. and then step into it and say, oh, I'm ready. Right. It takes a lot of homework beforehand, just leading up to even the rehearsals. Mm -hmm. So that by the time you come to rehearsals, you're ready to rehearse. And then even then through rehearsals, that's a whole other process. But um, for me, it's just about, it's a matter of consistency, spending time, being intimate with his spirit, really, with his energy, and really asking for that revelation to touch things that I cannot see mm, I, or I, I, I cannot I, hear, if that makes any sense. Right, right. It really, for me, it really has been like a, a spiritual process of Father above, give me Give me that insight that, that I that I don't have. Give me that. Just speak to me about that thing that I'm missing. Right. There's certain things like let me have that essence, Mr. Cole. Speak to me through it. Let me know what I'm supposed to be bringing to the stage right now, so that your story can be told in in the right way. And it definitely shows. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a phenomenal performance. Thank you very Seriously, much. Seriously, it, it really is. Thank you very much. And, and talking to Coleman, I mean, he he talks about this would be a completely different show. I mean, the casting with, with you and, and Daniel, that's, it would be something 
totally different because mm. you're bringing this uh, this tap ability, right? <laughs> you know, and I got to say that was a phenomenal mm. tap performance right in the middle of the show. I mean, he, he had a standing ovation in the middle of the mm. show after that routine. I mean, how does that hit you? It blows you away, really. It really. Here's the thing: in the middle of the show, right. it doesn't really hit me. If I'm being honest, in the uh. middle of the show, because in the middle of the show, I'm so connected to. Sammy or Daniel Watts mm-hmm. and what we're doing and then on to the next moment because you, there's something that like with this show once the show starts it goes yeah yeah there isn't yeah, really a lot yeah. of time for at least for for myself to just take back and take it all in I take it all in once I take my final bow okay yeah so I mean I in the show like in the performance itself I didn't really have a time to really take that in but afterwards it's it's like wow people really they really received and <laughs> dig or dug the whole, the whole journey that we've that we've portrayed here tonight. I had an idea that there was some tap, but I, I didn't realize it was <laughs> something like that. I mean, no. so I mean, my just my natural reaction was was get on my feet, really dig it. Dig it. And mm-hmm. So it's amazing. I mean, for myself, I have to say, you know, this is a story about Nat King Cole, and it's a story about icons like Nat King Cole, and it's a story about people in the world today. Mm. But as an artist and as a performer. Uh, there is me tipping my hat to Mr. Cole, but there's also me tipping my hat because of this piece to Gregory Hines, uh-huh. to Harold Nicholas, because for myself as the as Dulé Hill, the artist, they are my direct link heroes. The reason why I am an actor is because I was a tap dancer and I saw that Gregory Hines could do it. Right. I saw that Harold Nicholas could do it. And not only were they tap dancers and actors, they were also singers. Mm-hmm. So to be in this show and to be able to use... Uh, a wider breadth of the gifts that God has blessed me with all in one piece. It really is for myself paying homage to and really bowing myself in prayer to, you know, my brothers who have gone on, my elders who have gone on, my fathers who have gone on, Gregory Hines and Harold Nicholas. So you started tapping at the age of three. three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your mother uh, ran a dance. She was a a ballet teacher at at a dance school in East Orange, New Jersey named Marie Wildey School of Dance. Wow. Do you have any early vivid memories of developing this talent? I remember being afraid to perform, even at the dance school, and my mom and the dance school owner, I call her my Aunt Marie, she's passed away now, Marie Wildey, they had to bribe me with a blow pop (laughs) because I was in the back room hiding under a table, and I still vividly remember being underneath there, not wanting to perform, and they said, okay, well, if you go out there and you do it, then you get a blow pop. Oh, jeez. I said, all right. And I was like, tap, 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 <laughs> tap, tap, tap. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Oh, man. And, and so one of your earliest uh, breakout was... Uh, the tap dance kid. The tap dance kid. That's what got me into this whole business. Okay. Uh, the tap dance kid came to my school, the dance school, asking for kids, looking for kids who could sing and dance. I auditioned. And then the next thing I know, I was understudying Savion Glover wow. on Broadway. And then right after that, I did the lead role on the national tour with Harold Nicholas from the Nicholas Brothers. Right. And that's what started to open my eyes of this greater thing of show business because I remember being on tour and one time I we were on tour, we, uh, the, the whole cast got together and we just watched all of Harold's old movies. You know, all of his dancing movies with he and his brother. And to be there next to Harold wow. at 10 years old and he's telling me different things about it and watching it on film and realizing like, oh wow, this is like, this, well, he's a kid, and he's a kid in that one, <laughs> okay. and he's a kid like me. And right. He's on film, and here he is now. He's starting to really make uh, connection to me. There's another thing I notice is is 
watching you on stage is your, your stage presence, mm. and, and, and you're extremely comfortable. And it, so, but you've done like tons of television. Mm. What is it about theater? I mean, it's like you're you're at home up there on that stage. It's funny that you just said that because I was going to say stage is my home. Being that I started on stage, even if it's just going to dance school and performing at the recital, mm -hmm. my first professional jobs being on stage at the Miskoff Theater in New York and then the national tour. And mostly, most of the things that I did when I was younger was theater, the Good Speed Opera House mm. at the Paper Mill Playhouse in New Jersey. My first affinity is for the stage. I, it brings me back to a base. It brings me back to a foundation. It always challenges me to dig deeper. I feel like when you do the stage, it really sharpens you. For myself anyway, uh. just having to be here every day and do it every day and find a way to make it work and having to do it without any filter. No safety net. Yeah, there's something about, like, I feel like I'm in training when I'm on the stage. I just love, I love the connection to the audience. I love the energy inside, inside of the house when things are going well and when things are not going well. I love when they're affected. Mm. When, you know, I've, I love when you're dancing and your legs are tired, but you got to figure out a way to make it work. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's like, come on, legs. We got to <laughs> you know. I, so, I mean, for, for me, th the stage is home, and I think... Um, being that I started doing that as a kid, it's always going to be my first love and probably always going to be the place that I love being at the most. Alongside Dulé is his co-star, Daniel J. Watts. In this performance, Daniel is playing the unforgettable role of Sammy Davis Jr. Daniel is best known for his performance in the hit musical Hamilton, as well as his portrayal of Ike Turner in Tina, the Tina Turner musical. We had a chance to talk about his upbringing in tap dance, his childhood heroes, and at the end of the interview, I gifted him a special present as a show of my appreciation for bringing such an iconic character back to life. How you doing, brother? I'm great, how you doing? <laughs> you're currently performing in Lights Out, Nat King Cole. Yes. And you're playing the phenomenal role of Sammy Davis Jr. <sighs> my goodness, brother. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> and it's an, it's an amazing performance. And, and, and I was here for opening nights, and I'm sitting there wondering, what, what could possibly have gone into preparing a role, for a role like that? Oh, man. Uh, on one hand, I like to say I've been preparing for it my whole life. Mm. just didn't know it. Uh, Sammy's been a huge inspiration of mine. Uh, I like to say idol of mine, at least since I was six years old. Um, he was the caterpillar in Alice in Wonderland. I was like, this guy who all of a sudden started tap dancing and singing. That's pretty cool. And then I think I got revisited to him uh, in fourth grade when a substitute teacher came. And the first day we gave him the substitute business, you know. And then the second day he came, he brought a cassette tape of Sammy Davis Jr. And he was like, I think you would like this and gave it to me. And I don't know what I did that first day that made him bring in that tape the next day. But mm. then it stuck with me. After that, I was pretty much just always kind of paying attention to him. And he's just always influenced me in some form or fashion. There's some amazing tap dancing that you guys pull off in this in this uh, play. Where, where did you start with the with the tap dancing? I started here? tapping in, say I was in 10th grade, 15 years old. I ended up in a, in a musical called Gypsy. Mm. And I had to tap dance and I didn't know how to tap dance. So it kind of, I was faked it through that show. And I was like, mom, I think I want to keep doing this. And she let me take. And it was this thing that I, I was finding that there was there was more in it than just this dance. There was something like connected, like deep within, like this this idea of making rhythms and percussion. And mm. it was also ended up being an outlet for me at the same time I found it. I would 
just go downstairs and tap dance in the basement at like four in the morning. Just there was this urge to put on my shoes and just go shuffle around and make noise, sounds, something. It's it's always feel like I'm resurrecting something, so to speak. So tap dancing is is a love. And just how much footage you think you you've watched? Because I I noticed that there was. I mean, you had down just even the mannerisms. Sam? Yeah. Oh, man. I've, I've definitely watched hours and hours and hours of footage um, between the his Colgate performance mm -hmm. uh, when him and his father and his uncle, the Woodmaston Trio, came back uh, to the Colgate Hour for the first time. And he's drumming on there and mm -hmm. he's, um, doing impressions. And I found some footage of him doing some impressions back in the early 50s. Sweet Charity. Uh, like I can just think of just all anything Sammy I've probably ingested in some in some way um, so definitely hours and hours of footage just to like just because I love him so much just to like check him out I never realized it would be for this <laughs> nah I never I never in a million years did I think I'm gonna play Sammy Davis Jr. How important was the, the energy between you and Dulé who plays Nat King Cole oh, because you you guys I mean this is this, that's a partnership up there on, on the stage. Yeah. How important do you think that that played into uh, the energy of it? Oh, totally. A huge part of it. Uh, when we both found out about the project, both of us started texting each other. Hey, you doing this piece? <laughs> you going to do this piece? Mm -hmm. um, and in a similar way that Sammy was to Nat, Dulé has been, for me, in, in a way that, you know, Nat was there before Sammy was. Like, right. um, when uh, Nat, Nat, sorry, <laughs> when Dulé and I did After Midnight, I was uh, auditioning for TV for the first time. And I was asking him for advice, like, hey, I went in for this audition. It felt this way. And he was like, nah, you should just go in there with a bold choice. You know, he was, he kind of knocked down doors in a way, you know, he started TV and film when I was still in like middle school, high school. Oh, like, wow. He had done, he had done this thing in New York. No, I wasn't, I'm not, he's not that much older than me. <laughs> high school. Um, <laughs> but he had, you know, he, he came, he did the Broadway thing in New York and then he moved to LA to start becoming more bi-coastal and you know that's something that I've always wanted to do and I realized like oh I can actually talk to this guy about that process and both being men of color there are mm -hmm. similar trials and tribulations that we've gone through and can, can still go through today so it's like we have that similar dynamic um, just like Nat Dulé is the epitome of grace. Dulé is known around Hollywood to being a nice guy. You know, it's, <laughs> he's, he's, he he He's a nice guy. There's no, you don't hear anything rumors about Dulé Hill, right, right, negative right. press about Dulé Hill, right. because he approaches things with grace. You might hear some things about Daniel J. Watson being a firecracker, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in the same way of Sam. So there's a little bit of typecasting going on. I was oh. a lot of bit of typecasting, but it's been great to just you know he's he's like a big brother mm. to me. You brought up Broadway. Well, you, you spent a significant chunk of your life <laughs> performing on Broadway. Uh, in particular, you you performed in, in Hamilton. Yeah. What, what was that experience like? That was Hamilton was crazy in a great way. Um, it was it, musical theater in the latter, I would say, latter forty years, has been trying to find its way back into popular culture. Mm. Sometimes, every once in a while, something sneaks in versus like. Years ago, it was popular culture. It pushed culture. Um, as television and film got bigger, mm. Broadway is kind of you know a novelty, so to speak. Hamilton and Lynn specifically figured out a way to crack that code that it became this thing that nobody was ready for. Like mm. it's it's a global phenomenon, and you know uh. it's all these different things are happening. 
but it's also three hours of a job. Right. It's work, it's fun, but it's work. <laughs> um, so, but also being a part of like theatrical history um, and American history is something you can't really, you can't put a price tag on that. Like you can't, you can't value that. It's, right, right, right. It's so evaluate that. Yeah. <laughs> and so you've you made yourself uh, made your way to television as well. Uh, the last OG. Yeah. Uh, she's got to have it. That TV series. Um, but there's uh, there's something that calls calls you back to the stage though. When you, and you, so since you've done both now, uh, what, what is it with the, with the stage that, that speaks to you? The thing about stage is that there's this, this immediate automatic partnership that you have with the audience. There's mm -hmm. an agreement, you mm -hmm. know. Um, there's an agreement that we have to this moment, to this time. And you also understand this is live theater. Something might go wrong here. <laughs> you know, we don't have the option to say, you know what, cut, let's right, do that right. again and like splice it together and put together this perfect polished thing. Mm -hmm. There's this element of like, oh wow, this is happening before my very eyes. You know, and there's a lot of work that goes into that. Not to say that there's, that work doesn't go into TV and right, film. Right. But, you know, it's just, there's this, it's precarious. There's a risk involved that I think, you know, when it's done right, it can be really, really exhilarating. Could you think of a moment where you've kind of uh, had a close call, or maybe you had to you had to work and, and play through? I know I've seen some mistakes happen, but sure, the actors are like, you know, pick it oh, back up. And, yeah, it happens all the time. <laughs> you know, the beauty is when you don't know, when the audience doesn't know. Right. But you know, it, it, there's I've had times where like I've been in the middle of a tap solo and then been legs up, you know, because I something happened. Uh -huh. <laughs> My legs are in the air, and you just have to figure out how to get your legs back, right. <laughs> your feet back underneath you. Um, you know, words will leave you. Mm -hmm. um, just something about the repetition, or if you just get off, if you let something distract you for a second, those words will leave you, and you have to find your way back. And sometimes that's fun or not fun, depending <laughs> on the story you're trying to tell. But um, yeah, it's always that. There's always this this thing. So. Being on a stage with others is one thing, but you've done a one-man show, ah, yeah. uh, storytelling. You know, uh, talk about that there, because that's that's a little different. You're you're on the spot, and there's no supporting actors or anything. There's no help. Um, yeah, I have a show called The Jam. Um, mm -hmm. It's called The Jam because my great grandmother used to make jam from scratch, mm -hmm. and what she couldn't eat herself, you know, you can't make it a jar at a time; you have to make it in bulk. Six to eight jars. So she'd make herself a jar, and then she'd give the rest away. So for me, I've been writing stuff, raps, poems, mm -hmm. stream of consciousness since I was like thirteen, just as an outlet for myself. And over time, I just accumulated all this material, and I was like, I got to do something with it. This is rotting, so to speak. Right. And there's a line from a show called Jelly's Last Jam, um, which it's really weird how all this is connected. Uh, Gregory Hines played Jelly Roll Morton mm -hmm. in this show on Broadway. And there's a line that says, we're jamming with Jelly tonight. And that line was in the, that we danced to that song in the very first recital that I tap danced in. And that line has always stuck with me. And it was like, oh, that's an interesting play on words, jamming with Jelly. What's the difference between jam and Jelly? I looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up and Jelly is, uh, is essentially the runoff of jam. Jam is the fruit and the seeds and uh, the pulp and the flesh of it all, right. you know, that you can kind of just make it of itself. Jam jelly is, without all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I have this jam of my own, this flesh, this soul, this thing that, where I share bits and pieces of myself with, with others. Okay. And I hope that they can see themselves and kind of 
we can focus on our social similarities opposed to our differences. Um, that's what the jam is. So <laughs> get on stage and I go. And so with all your experience and especially stage, we, we have a lot of young actors uh, and, and, and theater students that, that watch Theater Corner. What, what piece of uh, advice you, would you impart to, to those persons? Uh, I would tell you <laughs> to dream as big as possible. Dreaming is free. Um, a really good friend of mine told me that, Alton Fitzgerald White is an incredible actor, told me to dream big. And it's free. It's free. You can do it as much as you want. And, you know, I think there's a difference between dreams and visions. Dreams are these things that we feel are impossible and unattainable versus visions are these, these things that we know that we can do. We might, they might be terrifying, but just grab a hold of your visions, your dreams, and turn them into visions and just go for them. There's, there's, no, there's nothing stopping you but you. Go mm -hmm. get them. <laughs> Very good. And before I let you go, I, I, I told you on opening night I had a special gift for you. You did, yes. Is it McChrystal? Did you? Uh, there we go. I'm I'm a real huge Sammy Davis Jr. fan, and I, I I and I'm serious about that. And so when I was watching you do this thing, actually bring this guy back to life. And I was just completely blown away. So I've, I've had this Ebony magazine since 1990. This is like well, a special died. edition. I where, know. I know. <laughs> and so I figured, you know, as a, as a show of my appreciation oh, and, to, and to honor your, your talents oh. and your efforts, I, I want to I give that oh, to you. My. Oh, come on. I, I was literally looking at purchasing this on eBay. Oh, really? Days ago. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> oh, man. No, so please, please accept that oh. and, and just keep doing. <laughs> oh, this is, oh. I, I, I really appreciate you and, and appreciate your talents. And so what you're doing <sighs> up there is, for old heads like myself, it's, uh, it's, it's you phenomenal. Me. You got me with this one. Oh, that's, oh, oh. I don't even want to touch it good. I want to put it back in the plastic. Thank you, okay. thank, thank you, thank you. As the great August Wilson once said, all you need in the world is love and laughter. That's all anybody needs, to have love in one hand and laughter in the other. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Michael Taylor, and we'll see you on the next episode of Theater Corner. Support for this program comes from the KPBS Explore Local Content Fund. Supporting new ideas and programs for San Diego. Watch the full interviews and more at www.theatercorner.org.